0: newsletter telling of what's coming up you know that i wanted to share about um, the teachings of a dear friend who uh, passed away this last week i mentioned i gave a talk including him a few uh, last month or so and he passed away and i'll share more about that um, in a little while and we'll see a teaching of his uh that was just a week before the um his passing uh, last saturday uh, but i want to invite eve if you uh would like to uh to share a song as as she usually does at the at the beginning so um take it away eve
1: thank you james hi everybody nice to be here with you um yeah so i um i listened to some of terry's teachings to prepare for tonight, and um, one of the things that he teaches about quite a bit is, um, especially of course at the, at the end of his life, but it's a, it's something that we can practice at any time is simply awareness of mortality, and how that isn't, you know that that's just truthfulness. It's just the way it is things are as they are and one of the one of those things is that we're all we're all mortal. <laughs> and that that reflection on mortality can actually really be helpful in terms of galvanizing us to get really clear on what matters, and then incline or move in the direction of what what we most value or what matters the most to us. Ah. <sighs> So I I decided to sing this song, Cemetery. There's a, you know, if you live in the Bay Area, there's a, or in the East Bay anyways, that there's a cemetery in Oakland called the Mountain View Cemetery. It's an old, old cemetery and it's on a hill. And it's a beautiful place to walk if you don't mind walking in cemeteries. And my friend Rabbi Haya Gasfield and I love walking there together. So I wrote this song um, about impermanence and how it can help, how it supports clarity, um, after walking there one day.
2: I like walking in the cemetery, it's so beautiful there in the spring. Water cups are blooming every place And the grass is thick and green I appreciate the company of the dead I heard it was Don Juan who said Keep death upon your shoulder It will remind you to love Sitting quiet with my heart build up in me one day what if someone drops a bomb have I said all with a friend and we look at the sky in wonder i appreciate the company of the dead i think it was Don Juan who said keep death upon your shoulder it will remind you to love complacent ice hard and cold is protection from the fear but like the sun that melts a thought that helps is that soon none of us will be here am i ready for the time when no one i take for granted is dying remembering hold a friend and whisper thanks for this moment we're sharing. I like walking in the cemetery, it's so beautiful there in the fall. The changing leaves fall from the trees like they do from a song. I appreciate the company of the dead. I went and read the page where Don Juan said, Keep death upon your shoulder, it will remind you to love. Considering the folks I hurt while struggling to be happy, I hope you'll find it in you to forgive me. As far as I'm concerned, when I reflect upon the ending, all will be forgiven. The strongest feeling is love. I like walking in the cemetery. It's so beautiful there in the winter. Cold contented tombstones sing praise of friends and strangers I appreciate the company of the dead I thank mister Don Wanna said keep death upon your shoulders.
0: So much Eve <clears throat> I want to say um, a few words about Terry uh, and then <clears throat> and then share him and share some of his uh, his teachings um, so we were and I, I mentioned this I mentioned some of this a few weeks ago uh, last month. Uh, when I was talking about um, letting go and and uh, and dying, <clears throat> so forgive the redundancy uh, for those who heard it. So we were in a group together um, called uh NeuroDharma Friends, and it's a it's a group that that's been meeting for oh maybe about a dozen years now of um, Dharma friends and some teachers and. Um, psychologists and neuroscientists and uh we we get together once a month and somebody presents and uh but we it's become a community where uh friends and uh and that's how i knew terry i didn't know that he was uh who he was before and uh then was happy to meet this brilliant dazzling mind um who is a was a teacher for many people um, a very inspiring consciousness teacher Um, and he um, but he's he had this combination of brilliance and a really good caring heart great combo to have Um, he co-wrote books with uh, Ken Wilbur was very close with Ken Wilbur one of the most brilliant minds uh around and um he had a whole um uh, community terry did that he was a teacher for and did lots of podcasts he's got great collection of podcasts i think his um his website is the main website is new republic of the heart now but if you just google terry patton p-a-t-t-e-n uh, this is his his last book, A New Republic of the Heart, which um, is brilliant, and it's really inspired me. The subtitle is An Ethos for Revolutionaries, <clears throat> A Guide to Inner Work for Holistic Change, A New Republic of the Heart, An Ethos for Revolutionaries, and it is the intersection of um, deep spirituality as a basis for making a change in this world and he was very um, committed to that particularly seeing where we're headed um, climate as well as other things but where humanity was headed Um, and as i said a couple of a few weeks ago, um, Jane and I visited him uh, a month ago, um, and um, maybe yeah, a month and a half ago. And we, uh, we shared uh, a good afternoon, and, and he was telling me his story, which I shared a little bit in our group. Where he got this diagnosis on his seventieth birthday, April first, April Fool's Day, okay? got this diagnosis that he had um, incurable cancer, and it looked there was no hope. the 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 doctor said, "Well, we can we'll try a few things, and you never know, but um, it, it will take a miracle." And they did try a number of things, and uh, nothing nothing was able to touch it but the the teaching that i got from him was he said that for 24 hours he went through a whole the whole gamut of emotions like you know elizabeth kubler ross has these five stages stages of coming to terms with dying he went through them in 24 hours he it seems that's not what he said this is my kind of synopsizing he said there was anger and rage and grief and and fear and worry and all of those things. Um, but most of all, um, there was this sense that he hadn't done enough. And he said, I had carried that feeling in my heart for the last few years. Oh, I don't, if I fail doing what I I'm supposed to do, it will be a great source of sorrow. And so there, there had been a lot of grieving that he had failed in his, in his life. He was, I think, feeling it was up to him in some ways to save the planet. Uh, not that he did that consciously, but that he could do everything that he needed to. And he said, by the next day, after going through all of that, he changed the perspective and said if this is it i've had a pretty amazing life i've done what i could and i can feel good about what i did do it's not up to me to determine when my life ends and he said a great weight was lifted off of him like a burden that he'd been carrying around for the last few years and he felt lighter and lighter he said i'm i'm freer than i've been in years and when we saw it it was a real transmission getting getting that from him and you can't fake that kind of stuff because we both felt lived left live feeling incredibly light and it was there was so much love you know, that was coming from him and that we were all sharing. And that was how he was right up to the end. And I'll I'll share with you I pulled it up uh the Caringbridge bridge egg, uh entry from uh two days before he passed away. His, um, his um, beloved friend uh, and, and partner, uh, Deborah, wrote in Caring Bridge, the day started off, the power went out in Marin, and uh, they, the oxygen tanks, there was something wrong with that, and they couldn't find the morphine, and it was crazy. And then things started to shift. So this is, I'll read this part. Um, Soon afterwards, at some point, Terry decided to play some dance music on his phone and then he took a nap. When he awoke, he was eager to be wheeled out into the living room. He stood up with support and enticed us all to join him in dancing. He was so beautiful, so radiant, so soft, so open, so joyous, so gone beyond. His simple presence enfolded us all in that realm. I felt my being coming to deep rest for the first time since April 1st. When Terry was rushed to the hospital and soon after diagnosed with incurable cancer, a natural surrender, an attraction to what is fuller than my limited self sense or my grief began effortlessly arising and pervading my own psyche and body, our dance and the subsequent conga line that led Terry back to his bed lasted only a few minutes, but this immersion indelibly graced me with the darshan of Terry, his realization, and the depth of his practice. This was confirmed to me at a different level than in many previous instances when I've had these glimpses. Mercifully, he seemed to be in far less pain. He sleeps a lot and was less interactive than the day before, yet when he does speak, pearls of beauty and insight continue to spontaneously pour forth tonight he mentioned to his son michael the irony of how we had no light no electricity due to the power outage at a time when his own life is dimming so we have to go so we have to go through it with him he transmits a deep sense of no dilemma and peace with what is and she uh, shared some images and I can share a screen I if I I think I have it pulled up of um, the images if I can get it let's see uh, uh, is this it? so here's here's Terry, uh, this is two days before the end, and there he is at ease and at peace, and just uh, enjoying the moment with everyone. Mm-hmm. So um, so now I'd like to play this. A nine minute excerpt of a teaching that he gave he in uh, the after he got the diagnosis and in the last month or two, he gave a series of four talks on his own process in parallel with humanity's process of um, facing, perhaps their transition and uh, and this was the last of those four he didn't realize he'd be giving it from his hospital bed. Um, But this is the the teaching now, so I hope that it comes through well and uh, and then we'll come back and i'll share a little bit more from from his his book and then we'll have a conversation okay so let's see. Can see that? Okay. Here we go. Yeah, this is this is the uh the name of the series Brightening Every Darkness, Collective and Personal Mortality Amidst This Crisis. A four part wisdom exploration with Terry Patton and friends.
3: Like every one of you, uh We all have a terminal diagnosis here, and uh, I have one that's maybe a little nearer and more acute, but it heightens something that I really do have in common with everybody. And these conversations that I've been privileged to have with uh, with Diane and Drew and Craig, uh, I, th- I think have set a context for Uh, For us all to wonder and deepen and be initiated, to be catalyzed into something at least a little closer to the kinds of human beings who might be adequate to the challenges of this whole situation. Adequate not necessarily to save the day, but adequate to show up consciously lovingly love more love in a more radical sense than lovingly actually to just really be our real true nature which is reality which is god which is the divine and which is so profoundly profoundly okay even with death even with the incredible tenderness of our living and dying. I mean, we're all making discoveries, you know, at the edge of our of our whole, you know, of our personal life journeys, which are so inextricably bound to the whole human family and the whole much more than human family. And the fact that we were able to separate ourselves, to imagine that we had any separation from the entire ecological web of life uh, is exactly what's circling around to require a new level of maturation of every one of us. I don't think I'm in charge, so I'm not the choreographer here um it seems to me the thing i can trust is what arises you know what what shows itself to me and uh, being true to what is present uh surrendering in a way it's it's a much more receptive yin uh orientation and it's it's what i can trust what I can—I'm uh, not sure I could trust what I would think of, what I would choreograph. But I—I I certainly can trust the opportunity to show up authentically, generously, with a sense of wonder and gratitude, and and a willingness to hurt, a willingness to grieve, a willingness to. Um, To feel the feelings we might thrust away, you know, avoid. Mm -hmm. Um, That surrender. It's not like I know how to surrender. Um, It it just in the moment I'm. uh, I'm surrendering as best I can, and the, the fact that it keeps teaching me something, and that by being Um, As courageous as I can be, as willing, as, as fully surrendered, you know, maybe that is a gift, you know, that sense that I can be a source of brightness for others who are, who are, as we all are, you know, daunted or challenged or at times overwhelmed by the darkness um, but we we're amazing amazingly resourced divinely human beings and we we're the ones that the great choreographer uh, you know central casting uh, <laughs> you know sent us here for this now so, I think we can trust that we're in, you know, none of us are enough and all of us, each of us, are. So that's my best response. Hope that feels resonant for you. My son said to me, you know, Dad, it's really great that you're surrendered to dying and that you're okay with whatever happens, but I want you to lean into trying to stay here longer. I don't want you to leave. He and other close ones have you know, shared their grief with me. They don't want to lose me or have to, you know, many people have told me they feel a little, you know, a little nervous or scared, like I've held a piece of something for them. And they feel like, well, I feel at a loss in some way. And I know I feel, there are times when it's a wave of grief, you know? Um, some of that makes it more full that the, no matter what, okayness coexists with, you know, the tears that are rolling down are not just tears of gratitude, they're also tears of, of unutterable grief. And all of it is appropriate. All of the suffering, human and non human, All the destruction. There's a lot to grieve. And to accept it all with a full heart is not to be in any way distanced from any part of that full spectrum. I've been uplifted, I've been positively transformed by loss and tragedy. You know, mortality. And I think the nearness of our collective mortality is an initiation, an opportunity for us to become who we always already were, but in a fullness we haven't inhabited or gifted each other with fully. There's always, there's always, I mean, there always will be. I think we're we have to awaken from the dream, the hypnotic trance, that makes us think we've got to escape death or transform the inevitability of, you know, Gautama called it sick, you know, the heavenly messengers, sickness, old age, and death. And this childish and adolescent. Uh, orientation of, you know, we've got to put a happy ending on it, we've got to turn it into something superficial. No, we, we inherit profundity. We are ennobled. We have, we don't thrust anything out. And in that, our true greatness has a chance to be forged. And, and in a way relaxed back into. It's not like it has to be achieved, you know, it is what's true. I hope that's resonant. I just recognized I couldn't, I couldn't avoid. Uh, well, I could accept what is, or I could resist it. And there was nothing but suffering and confusion and unhappiness if I chose to be in conflict with what is and there was so much beauty and possibility in fully surrendering and accepting what is. I I don't want to waste however many moments I have left being in resistance to reality. Reality wins and why would we want to resist it? Why would, you know, why we, isn't it our truest friend? So, yeah. yeah. Thank you.
0: Mm. That's been a kind of mantra in my in my heart in recent days. You know, reality wins. You know, I don't want to waste my time resisting reality. What a what an amazing gift and, and teaching it is. So maybe before I, um, there's other things that uh, to share from the book. uh, Brilliant stuff that has touched me, but I think before uh, I do, uh, if I do, I just want to see any comments, any reflections or anything that that comes up from from that, if you'd like, you can raise your hand or um, yeah, just unmute yourself. Just want to give an opportunity. Yeah, Charlie.
4: Hi, James. Thank Hi. you very much. Um, Hi, my mom passed away uh, early September. She was my my everything, my my best friend, and she was the closest person I ever, ever had in my whole life. I tell her every night on the phone, you are pretty much my most favorite of all time in the history of forever. Mm -hmm. And I changed that throughout the pretty much at the very end. But anyway, um, I just want to say that um, she was 88 anyway, but what I really wanted to get to saying, that's just context is one simple thing. So I know other people probably want to talk. Um, Is it accepting life on life's terms? This is this is how it is. I don't want there to be death. I I, I don't want it, but it doesn't matter. This is I can accept it. Mm-hmm. And you helped me when you said a, a while back. You you mentioned the serenity prayer. Mm. Accept you know accept. Whoa, thank you, James. I'm I'm done. I don't want to hog the time here. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I, and uh, I um, I feel for your loss and uh, can can feel how big a loss that must be and I hope that that you are integrating your mom so that she lives right inside of you I think that's the process of you know full full grieving you feel the sadness and then that beloved person is just a part of you and um that's that's her legacy living on through you so thank you anybody else uh before I share any other Brief comments. Okay, then let me just share uh, some of uh, Terry's teaching from A New Republic of the Heart. Um, This is from the chapter. Uh, well, the whole section, translating heartbreak into action. Mm. Activism emerges from the stark recognition that we really are the co-creators of our world. We wake up from the trance in which we had imagined ourselves to be passive observers of the world, standing somehow apart from it. We recognize that we are not In the stands, watching the action from an objective vantage point, and we never have been. We have always been on the field and the ball is in play. When we realize we are full participants, we awaken into activism and our practice becomes to engage with the game completely, holding nothing back. One reason we give it all we've got is that nobody knows what will come. It's hard to make predictions, Yogi Berra famously said, especially about the future. The future is indeterminate. It will emerge, and we have a part to play in determining what exactly will emerge. This uncertainty calls for sobriety, humility, and the aliveness of unreasonable hope. We do not and cannot know enough to justify despair and passivity. We do not have to figure it all out. I'm just skipping here a few paragraphs. We don't have to become tangled up in our unknowable future as if it were an unsolvable dilemma. We don't have to handicap the odds in this high stakes evolutionary horse race in order to respond we can cut through all the mind chatter by asking a deeper and more essential question. Can I find myself a no matter what commitment? Can I find in myself a no matter what commitment? Under the worst case scenario, can I still tap into the well of uncaused, unreasonable happiness? Can I still relate to my fellow humans and to all of life with care and love? Can I still, to the fullest extent possible, remain present as a force for good in every moment? A no matter what commitment resolves all dilemmas. Even our predicament, even if our predicament is hopeless, incapable of being turned around, we are still capable of loving one another, capable of enjoyment, capable of doing whatever we can to make life better, and capable of surrendering to the unknown. Ultimately, we cannot know what lies on the other side of our predicament, but we can still be happy or have well being because our happiness is not based on external certainties or reasons but rather on our ultimate connectedness with the source of all life. And this non-contingent happiness is free to express itself in the service of others and of creation. If we do these things, we are saying a resounding yes to life. And that yes makes all the difference. I'll just read, skip ahead, just a couple of more gems. We have all heard many stories of heroic activism. Activists have an irreplaceable cultural role, helping societies to evolve. It is undeniable that societies transform through many diverse processes, but historically many of our most important transformations The key historical advances have required struggle. In order for history to proceed, people have had to advocate for the new. They have had to criticize old, outmoded customs and policies, recognize the next possibility, speak up, join together, act upon that recognition, and exert influence. Activists have moved history forward. And this is the from the soul of activism. We become activists after we notice suffering and destruction, cruelty and indifference, waste and peril, and the harm in in which we are living, and heed the biblical injunction to, quote, not stand idly by. The injustice may be done to us or to friends or strangers or other forms of life or even to values when we see such injustice we feel absolutely compelled to act we speak up we listen to the stories of others who've been through similar experiences or whose own experiences inform us and rouse us to action when a group of us agrees and we dare to believe we can make a difference in some way, and we cooperate to make something happen, we have become activists. Sometimes we're acting on our own behalf or on behalf of our group, and sometimes on behalf of others. Activism expresses a heroic impulse, but activists need not appear extraordinary the values that inspire activism are the same values that drive the classic stories of literature art and popular entertainment everyone who begins as an underdog or as an ordinary individual who leads an ordinary life and then becomes challenged or moved to stand for higher values on behalf of a community or principle is expressing the heroic qualities of the activist. These implicit values have been imparted via parables and stories and poetry to all of us from the time we were children. Activism expresses fellowship, connection, relationship, a sense of brotherhood and sisterhood. When we act on our connectedness to others, we heal something essential in ourselves. We locate ourselves in something deeper than our postmodern alienation. Our connectedness in the service of larger things transcends the superficiality of many relationships and associations. In this era, when traditional communities and extended families are the exception, the community of like-minded and heart-based activists can be an essential healing and grounding force this is all the more true because as activists we are to a degree voluntary outcasts from some elements of mainstream society last paragraph activism is sometimes characterized as uh, activism is sometimes characterized as angry and strident and sometimes it is, sometimes anger is necessary and appropriate. Healthy anger anger has an essential function in advancing history. But anger tends to summon fear and it easily becomes destructive. Healthy activism is most fundamentally an expression of care rather than anger. It is love in action. N- when i read those words and maybe when you hear them if if they could land enough there's a, a part of me that says oh yes yes of course he's just naming something that is almost obvious if you go go that deeply obvious and true we need each other doing what is the right thing to do just because it's right. Letting go of expectations or hopes, but just a a sense of being moved, of letting life move us to um, offer in a spirit of contribution and love, um, helping make this a better world for all of us so it's it's part of the genius of somebody who's um so tuned into the truth and um, has a gift of communication that somehow they state what you know inside all the time to be true but they just say it in a way that awakens that where you say yes of course oh thank you for naming it so clearly um there's much more i could read um and it's all brilliant um but i invite you to um to check it out to get the book a new republic of the heart or to that whole series is available if you go on to the the uh the talking uh, uh the presentations if you go on to his website so maybe i'll just uh stop from there for there and um give a a deep heartfelt appreciation and gratitude to you terry um a life well lived and you're a teacher in um in death as well as in life just showing us how to do it now that it's your turn uh you show us what we'll all face at some point and and showing us with grace and uh, intelligence and love. So any last comments? James, earlier Jim Goss wanted to say something. Sure. Yeah. Say say that again. I I, I missed it, John. Uh, uh, earlier, Jim Goss raised his hand, wanted to say oh, something. Jim. Oh, oh, I didn't see it. Oh, great. Hi, Jim. Unmute yourself.
5: Uh, oh, okay. Uh, that was kind of by accident, uh, kind of talking about the really important uh, share today. And I was saying thank you to the gentleman that uh, talked about the death of uh, his mother, which kind of brought that up for me. Mm. as hell and then everybody died in my family Mm. and it's it's really kind of kind of me but with death uh, I during the first COVID I had a seizure Mm. and I I asked to have uh, to die I asked to catch the COVID I asked it twice so that I could die because I was just alone and scared and I heard it twice no I don't know where it came from, you know, was it part of me or somebody of my ancestors that had crossed over, but the, it came up, no. And then I said, well, you know, F it. I'm gonna have to do this. But <laughs> that, that brought that up. But it was that gentleman first, you know, sharing his mom, my mom and uh, all the ancestors. And, you know, at times it's really kind of, uh, okay, I'm. The, uh, 70 now, 69. I'm going. Well, okay, if I'm gonna be here, what the f am I doing uh, for the next 20 years or maybe just five? I mean, yeah, but uh, you know, still, I'm I'm working. I'm studying Dharma and other things, and you know, I, I actually never was bored during the COVID. Mm-hmm. So this is this is you know kind of jumbled. Uh, no but uh, that's what he opened that up for me. I was actually just saying you know thank you to uh, Charlie I really appreciate it here
0: uh-huh. beautiful well uh, I'm glad you got the message Jim and glad you're around I guess life has some other plans for you so um, so glad you're here with us
5: Well, thank you thank you and uh, good to see everybody Thank you, We will meet you again. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Thanks. Uh, It's just it's just about time to go. So maybe uh, Lynn, I know you had your hand up for a moment, and maybe uh, it can have uh, have one last comment.
4: Well, thank you. you. I I have a
3: dear friend who um, is in hospice and is 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 facing death in a very um, graceful way. I think. But I would love to be able for her to listen to this tonight. Because I, I think it would really help her.
0: Mm. Is
3: there a way that I can pass that on to her?
0: Uh, yeah, I'll be posting it, but I'll tell you what, why don't you put, write your email in, my, in the chat box and I'll, I'll send you the, uh, the clip for it. Yeah. And, and it is on, uh, the whole presentation is on that last of the four um, presentations but you just do that and I'll do it. Okay, it's time to go. Deb, my apologies, uh, but I I know it's nine and I want to respect that. Eve, can we fit in uh, the dedication?
1: Maybe maybe because of the time is a spoken dedication tonight. Okay, all right.
0: Well, uh, thank you for all being here um i um i wish us all that we can open to the pain and sorrow with uh and the grieving with uh, the grace that uh that terry has shown us and um also open to all the joys and the beauties in life too as he said and as he taught don't miss it that's my teaching as well don't miss all the good in life open to to the sorrows with a tenderness and compassion and open to the joys with gratitude and and love so may our coming here together um, be of benefit to all of us everyone in our lives and all beings everywhere. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great week.
3: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.